I mainly bought a bunch of Ethereum and Bitcoin. You had predicted a price of Bitcoin to be, up, I believe, 61000 For me, Ethereum and Bitcoin primarily to go up another 100% over the next five years or so. And just like that, we are back again with the Mind the Growth podcast. As always, I am Chris Kinghorn. And I'm Eric Hoffman. Eric, should we talk about some crypto? I think now's the best time. Let's do it. <laughs> so you're telling me I should not have sold a large amount of crypto on Monday when the market tanked? Is, is that a bad idea? Yeah, yeah. You typically don't want to sell when it's tanking. <laughs> okay, okay. That's, that's, to... You're going to have a bad time. <laughs> Just hold. All you got to do is hold. It's kind of like our, yeah. our conversation about real estate. It seems yeah. like if the longer you hold, the better you're probably going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you're a trader, it's a, a little bit of a different story and you can create uh, different mechanisms to sell and buy at different price points. But that's for the uh, the 202 class. Today, we're doing the 101 class. 101. All right. So before we, before we dive into 101, so how long have you been in crypto for? When, when did you purchase your first cryptocurrency? I purchased my first back in 2017, right around the time where that initial run-up was happening when all of the ICOs were, were getting and gaining steam. That, that was when I first started interacting. When I first wanted to was in like 2012, 2013, when that huge article came out about the Silk Road, that, that website for illicit drugs and uh, murder for hire <laughs> that became all the rage. The Amazon of the dark web is what they called it. But when I read the article, what fascinated me more than anything was the discussion of Bitcoin, the currency that they were using to purchase and you know receive the drugs. So I did a pretty deep dive at that time about Bitcoin, what it was, what you know, how to deal with it, et cetera. And at the time I tried to buy like three or four mining rigs for Bitcoin that had just come out, but they were sold out and they're on back order for like eight months. So I just kind of gave up at that time, <laughs> stupidly so, and just kind of let it be and waited until I saw that, you know, run up coming up in 2017 and then I mainly bought a bunch of Ethereum and Bitcoin, which I still, you know, that's the biggest portion of my portfolio today. Cool. So I've been in it a little, a little bit, uh, probably not as long as you. Um, I think the first time I bought it was right when Robinhood had allowed users to buy Bitcoin. That was my my first Bitcoin transaction. And which for, uh, we'll talk for about you newbies purchasing. out there, uh, Robinhood, when you purchase cryptocurrency from Robinhood, you're not actually buying cryptocurrency. You're buying essentially a an IOU that Robinhood gives you that they'll pay you what the currency's worth, but you don't actually hold the currency yourself. So it's a common misconception with some of these trading platforms, which we can get into. Not your keys, not your coins. Is that yeah. the is that the phrase? Exactly. <laughs> 
So um, I think you've got a good strategy on yours. So what I think there, there's, I think there's going to be a valuable takeaway for not only myself, but others maybe who are looking to consistently buy kind of DCA or dollar cost average into Bitcoin. And I know that you've done a good job with that through Bitcoin and Ethereum. And not, let's not limit this to just Bitcoin. We'll say, you know, any sort of cryptocurrency. I know you, you're, you're big on, on Bitcoin and Ethereum. I've got Bitcoin and Ethereum and a handful of, of altcoins as well, too. I'm probably a little bit more weighted on the altcoins and over the past six months or so i've been really trying to make a, a cognizant effort to to focus a little bit more on bitcoin not to say that some of the altcoins aren't going to you know uh, have a better return uh, but ultimately i feel like bitcoin is a little bit more stable and safer and yeah. for the long-term play you know if it's if it's a 10x versus a 15x I'd probably feel a little bit more comfortable putting the the money into bitcoin totally so well, with that said, I've tried a plenty of plenty of different platforms. You know, Gemini, Coinbase, Coinbase Pro, Kraken, BlockFi, Celsius. You named it. I, I probably tried it. And during this process of trying these different platforms and coming up with these different strategies, the fees really have just been driving me crazy. And honestly, it's kind of a pain in the ass to convert or to move your crypto from one to another. It's not overly difficult, but the amount of money, especially if you're moving Ethereum, it's just not cost effective. So I think coming up with a strategy that you can stick to long-term is something that's very important and to obviously do your research. Again, nothing in this video is going to be financial advice. It's just two guys talking about crypto. Yeah. So with that said, I've, I've actually, I hate to say this, but I've even gotten to a point where I've been so focused on dollar cost averaging and wanted to stay away from fees that I've actually turned on my reoccurring purchase from Robinhood to kind of drip in and buy uh, Bitcoin every single day. And I know, I know, not your keys, not your coin. So I'm embarrassed that I even admit that. But doing some research, you know, I ran ran across the ability to utilize APIs. And this is kind of where my, my tech brain started to kick in. And I'm not overly technical, but being in the role that I'm in, I've, I've had to become pretty familiar with APIs and, and kind of how scripts work and, you know, how code works, et cetera. But with platforms such as Gemini and Coinbase, a Coinbase Pro, if we focus on those specifically, I know that you've got some, some background on it. These are the ones that I've been doing research on. You've got the ability to utilize some API inputs. Basically what this means is you can set up something through AWS or a similar service and you can create these scripts that determine your buying, your deposit, and your withdrawal activity. So if, let's say, for example, if you wanted to invest $10 into Bitcoin automatically without ever having to think about it again, every day you just want $10 to be invested into Bitcoin. The easiest option would probably be go to Coinbase, link your bank account, and then ultimately you can set up how frequently you want that purchase to occur. And you can also uh, set up how much you want that purchase to be on a daily, weekly, monthly, whatever the, the, the calendar schedule looks like. But for that $10, you're essentially going to be paying almost $10 in fees. And that, that's just, I'm sorry, a dollar in fees, so 10% in fees. And that's right. absolutely crazy. Especially when and you get to if you run numbers. it through a coin. Yes, exactly. And if you run it through Coinbase Pro or a similar exchange where the fees are a little bit lower, a lot of the user experiences within those platforms, they don't allow for the user to set up reoccurring 
buys through the user experience. So if, if you wanted to go into Coinbase Pro and find a button that says reoccurring purchase at this dollar amount, you're not able to do, to do that. Now you're able to set up limit, limit purchases. You're able to set up a lot of different if this, then purchase this, but setting up a simple purchase every single day, it's not possible. So to get around this, going back to the APIs and the script that I purchased, or I mentioned earlier, you can automate this. So what I mean by automating this is you can achieve the following. So let's say, let's go back to that $10 a day example. On Monday, if you have, if you set up the script to where on Mondays, you have a deposit from your bank account going into Coinbase Pro, let's call it $10 a day. So $70 on Monday is deposited. Additionally, there's a purchase that's triggered on Monday and there's going to be a purchase triggered every single day for that week as well too. So let's fast forward to Sunday. So Sunday occurs, you've essentially purchased $70 worth of Bitcoin, $10 every single day. What you can also do through the script is you can trigger then a withdraw. So you can have those coins withdraw from Coinbase Pro and you can essentially put them into cold storage. And I've heard negative feedback about this. I've heard positive feedback about this. In my head, it seems like a very easy play to dollar cost average. Now you have to write the script and you have to be comfortable with that component. But if you think of it fundamentally of low fees, something you can consistently do and not have to think about, and the ability to automatically withdraw your coins and put them into cold storage, where they are your keys, it is your key, they are your coins. To me, it sounds like a perfect circle. Now, I know that adding in the AWS component, there's some negative feedback. I know you're somewhat familiar with this process. You've gone through this experience. So I want to understand kind of what your thoughts are on this strategy. If it's safe, if you don't think it's safe, pros, cons, just strategy as a whole. Yeah, great question. So I'll break it down in a few ways so that the listeners can hopefully understand the whole process a little bit better. Just to start off, there when when you're trading cryptocurrencies or stocks for that matter, there's w- what are typically called maker fees and taker fees. Those are typically utilized in more of the pro trading platforms like you mentioned Coinbase Pro for Gemini. They have the active trader protocol or program that they can use similarly to Coinbase Pro. Um, And there's many others that do that. There's a basic format and then there's the pro trading platform. So on the pro trading platform, that's for more of the active traders. That's why Gemini called it the active trading platform. And you can do a lot of different things on that. And it's really useful if you're trading cryptocurrencies daily or you know relatively often. So some of the order types that you can do on these trading platforms on the pro ones are there's something called a limit order and there's something called a market order and that relates to the maker and taker fee. So if you place a limit order what you're basically saying is using bitcoin as an example. Let's just say it's worth $40,000 today. And if I want to place a limit order to purchase more bitcoin I can place that order and say, I will purchase Bitcoin when the price of Bitcoin is $39,500. That would be me placing a limit order. And when the price in the market reach $39,500, my order is filled and I receive those coins. So that's a limit order. And that's the cheapest way in terms of fees to purchase cryptocurrency. And the reason that you can't really do that easily from an automated perspective is because the price is always fluctuating. So you have to do that more in a manual process. Go ahead. So with the script, what you can actually do is you can default it to make those limit orders and ultimately pros and cons on it. 
you know, most of the time you're going to be able to, you know, if, if Bitcoin's just going straight up for five days straight, sure. you might not get your order that goes in. But ultimately, traditionally, every day there is a little bit of an up and down. So it looks for yeah. that down. And as soon as it sees the down and you've got that taker fee that you can take, which is a lower than a maker fee, then you're able to purchase, you get your daily purchase done at that lower fee. Sure. Yeah. So we'll get into the the automation and the scripts in a little while because you can program something to do whatever you want it to do and you can get into really deep detail on that. So going back to what I was referring to, the limit order, if you place that limit order, it's the cheapest way to do it. Every platform, those are the lowest fees you incur. They're different per platform, but those are going to be the lowest fees. The market order is the taker fee, means you take whatever price is given to you, and that's what the market dictates. And that's what most automatic buys are based off of, is the market orders. And so every platform has a different fee schedule that's uh, associated with purchasing as a market order. I've also gone through almost all of the exchanges. The one I currently use today is FTX, their US platform. They historically and still, as far as I know today, have the lowest fees for both limit orders and market orders. And so with FTX, you can purchase with recurring buys, just like the other platforms. It's a little more complex to set up, but their platform is pretty much only a professional trading platform. That's There's no you know basic version of FTX. And as a result, their fees are really low. And that's what brings a lot of people to trade with them. So for anyone that's looking to start trading and purchasing, I would personally recommend FTX having gone through all of them. And uh, this podcast is not yet sponsored by FTX, but we're happy to be (laughs) the best trading platform in the market, the lowest fees. You will not regret your decision trading with FTX. So uh, just a side note, FTX, if you're listening. So that's just in a nutshell how the fees work and why they work the way they are. So going to kind of the next level, the the automation, my general opinion with dollar cost averaging is if you're going to do it, especially through a major platform, the fee is just a tax to dollar cost average into the market and it, it makes it easy to just do it and hold it. The fees aren't as extreme as you know, if you're trading and transferring regularly, you're going to get hit if you're trading and transferring regularly, and it's not going to be worth it. But if you're just doing a recurring buy order on most of the platforms, it's not, in my view, a significant fee. And it's just a tax to participate with the intention that the market's going to continue to go up. So for most people, I think that's sufficient. And that's what I actually recommend most people do is if you're just getting started, just set up a recurring buy for whatever uh, amount you're comfortable with. And don't worry about the fees. Don't worry about the price. The goal is expecting both, you know, for me, Ethereum and Bitcoin primarily to go up another 100% over the next (laughs) five years or so. So with that, the fees are negligible. Now to your question about automation and my comfort level with that sort of thing, I don't have a comfort level with it for one, because when you're introducing scripts into anything financial, 
I don't know who wrote the script. I don't know if there's a bug in the script that is just going to take my money. I, I'm not, I don't have enough understanding of code to be able to suss that out necessarily. So it would be impossible for me to know if this is a scam or not. And as a result, it's just not worth that risk. I'd rather pay a big fee than having the risk that it's telling me that I have cryptocurrency, but I don't actually have cryptocurrency. Somebody else took all of my money. You know, that's always the concern, especially in crypto today, because it's still relatively unregulated and there's just a lot of bad actors out there. So especially, you know, you, you talked about this script in particular. One of the cool things about it is it automates the purchases and it also moves it to cold storage, which is even worse for me because cold storage is supposed to be just that cold. And so if it's automatically moving it to cold storage, I'm not really sure how that works in practice. What I assume is you'd have to have like, let's say you're using a ledger cold storage wallet to you know funnel it into. I would assume you'd have to have that plugged in at all times, where in which case it would be a hot wallet, not a cold wallet, because it's right. plugged into the internet. So then what's the difference in holding it there versus in the platform itself? You'd actually probably be safer in the platform because the platform has you know security protocols in place. Most of them do, most of the major ones that make it nearly impossible for people to breach it. I view... Most of the major platforms today, like Coinbase, Gemini, FTX, I view them as as banks. I'm as comfortable holding my money with them as I would be with Chase or Wells Fargo. They're big enough now. They're all holding billions of dollars in currency of some sort. And they, as far as I'm aware, haven't had any breaches yet. And they invest a lot of money into security. So from that perspective, I don't have as much concern as other people do holding my money in some of these major exchanges because it's it's pretty much safe. <laughs> I mean, I hold my money in Chase and it's FDIC insured up to what, 250 grand. So, you know, if you have anything above that and Chase is hacked, then you're fucked anyways or you're screwed. <laughs> Excuse my language, YouTube. Don't don't uh, don't nab us. So. It, that's that's my main theory. Pausing there, what are your thoughts? No, it makes sense. I, I can I can totally appreciate that and respect the concerns. Um, I think it comes down to a your technical ability, b your comfort with your technical ability, and and then and also. By the way, just as a as an added thought before you get into further, mm -hmm. if you can actually code your own script to do this, great. You know. There can't be bugs that are going to screw you in your own script. So for those people, great. That that would be awesome. And I'm sure you can program a lot of different things into the script where you could say, you know, you're going to create a limit order when it dips 5.8% each time it does that uh, based on historical analytical data that, that when it dips 5.8%, it typically goes up after that. So you can create all of these programs and algorithms to purchase it in more of an effective way and try your best to game the system. That's really what a lot of these DeFi protocols are, is creating algorithms to maximize yield and, and purchase power. So I, I just wanted to add that thought. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I think the other component that that is worrisome, and, and I've, I've talked to a handful of people about this, and again, if I've gotten positive and negative feedback, is 
the the idea of cryptocurrency is for you to hold it is it it's for it to be decentralized it's for it to be on unhackable i guess if you if we want to just call it that unstealable on it's supposed to be so safe but if you're adding in a script that you've written through aws i mean I'm not going to tell you how to how to hack AWS. I personally don't know, but I know people who say there is no issues with hacking into certain AWS uh, plat platforms that are built on AWS, essentially. Yeah. And then when you add in a, a cryptocurrency wallet on top of that, depending on the size of that cryptocurrency wallet, there's just more of an incentive there. And ultimately, because it is a public ledger, you see every single transaction that happens. So. I mean, I tried to be optimistic, but I'd have to imagine that there are people data scraping and seeing every transaction that goes on. And I have to imagine that some some wallets are probably bigger targets than others. Mm -hmm. So if there's consistent transactions going on, if you're more of a target, if you add in a, you know, a loose link to your equation, then what's to say that people are not going to try to go after you or your script and, you know, redirect that. And if you've got safeguards in your script of, okay, if somebody accent or if somebody accesses this that's not me or if, if something has changed within the script then stop if they're smart enough to get into the script <laughs> then they can probably figure out how to redirect that where where they would want it to go not necessarily where it was intended to go so th that is my only concern as well too but uh, again this video is not sponsored by ftx but ftx i think uh, eric has sold me on uh, <laughs> um, joining your platform <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not but it could be yeah, and that's actually one of the benefits, I think, of having a big exchange be the custodian of your keys and your cryptocurrency is it's not as easily directly tied to you as a person in terms of your wallet where it's being stored as it would be if, let's say, you're storing all of your money in MetaMask, which is another you know, web browser-based wallet, which is great. You know, the functionality is incredible especially if you're going around and buying NFTs and trading on DeFi, et cetera. That's, you know, really the main player in the space is MetaMask to utilize. But it's more vulnerable because your wallet is your wallet and it's easy to see those transactions, like you said. So, yeah, I mean, depending on what you're intending to do in the space, whether you're intending to trade regularly, participate in DeFi, decentralized finance, buy NFTs, whatever it may be, every use case is different and you need to use different tools based on, you know, what you're doing. So, you know, every situation you can have a different argument, but in general, for today's purposes, I think the example in mind is if you want to just start purchasing as, you know, a dollar cost average type of mechanism and hold it for the long term. And personally, I think you're safest doing it with a group like FTX, low fees, you can set up recurring buys and you're pretty much good to go. One additional thing that I wanted to bring up, I'm seeing a lot of new companies, and I'll share my screen here, come out. Can you see this roundly? Yes. Okay. So this, you probably saw companies like this maybe 10 years ago start to pop up with just regular debit and credit cards where you can round up your purchases and you know either invest it into the market or get points was or whatever. Acorns, I think. Yeah. I want to say Acorns was, was yeah. an early one. Yeah. Exactly. So now they're popping up for crypto. So Roundly's one. This bundle is another. 
essentially the idea is when you make purchases, if you can set mechanisms where if let's say you purchase something for $8.25, you can round that up to $10 and that additional amount can be uh, can purchase cryptocurrencies. This bundle one, as far as I can tell, they they say that they charge a flat fee of $5 per month, regardless of how much you purchase. And I think you can uh, purchase up to 10 grand per transaction, which seems very low on the surface. I'm sure there's probably other fees associated somewhere. Um, I haven't looked too deep into Roundly, but the main point is these types of companies are coming up as well to do exactly what you're looking to do is to, you know, whether it's daily, hourly, or however often you purchase things, you can just set it and forget it that anytime you have extra, you know, change, so to speak, it's going towards crypto and it adds up over time. So that would be another good way, I think, for a lot of people to get involved and do that sort of dollar cost average. So uh, two questions. First, mm -hmm. cold storage. I personally use a ledger. Um, yeah. It's nothing fancy, but it's they've been around for a while. They're safe. They have a good reputation. What are your thoughts on on cold storage? Do you have a specific go to that you like? I also have a ledger and I have used it since 2017 when they were first coming out. I think that's probably the best option. There's others out there that I'm not too familiar with, but Ledger's great, and I think it's good to utilize. I'll go back to my earlier point that I don't personally have any issue or qualms with storing my money on an exchange like an FTX or a Gemini. I still have crypto on both, actually, and some in cold storage. So I, I'm more of the mindset that if I spread it out <laughs> enough, you know, even if I get hit somewhere, I'll, it still won't totally crush me. So you take that as, as it may, but I'm, I'm diversified across the internet. <laughs> Eric is also changing all of his passwords immediately yeah. after filming this. <laughs> yeah. Don't try password one, two, three. You may, you may get rich. <laughs> Water one, two, three, four. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I do want to bring something up real quick because I think it's mm -hmm. extremely important. We are filming this podcast on the 14th of April. And if if I remember correctly, we had some predictions for March 30th. And make sure you like and subscribe. And you had predicted a price of Bitcoin to be, a, I believe, 61000 And I had pegged it at 49 and I think it got to 48 and change and it was about this close away from 49. So I don't know yeah. if there was a wager on that, but I, <laughs> I just want to let the listeners know that I will take sweet victory on that last prediction. Yeah. So I was way off clearly. I had much more hopes and dreams for it to go much higher, but you know, you, you win some, you lose some. Chris was much more close to this one. So if any of you listeners want to go back to the archives and tell us what the wager was, if anything, comment below, let us know, like the video and uh, propose another wager for us to, to go with in the future. So before we do our predictions for the last day of, of April, do we have 30 or 31 days in April? We have 30. Okay. Before we predict April 30th, price of Bitcoin. 
Do you have anything else that you want to share in our Crypto 101 podcast? No, just purchase it, <laughs> participate. <laughs> and uh, I think it's a good thing to, to have as part of your portfolio. Everyone, you know, these days and over the past few years has basically recommended keep 1% of your portfolio in cryptocurrency. I'm way higher than that, fortunately or unfortunately. As crypto goes up, so does the percentage of your net worth. So it's a good and bad thing. I am not reallocating yet, but I think a comfortable spot in my perspective is anywhere from 10 to maybe 40%, depending on what your net worth is. Because if it's not that high, then 40% is probably uncomfortable. So don't do that. But choose your your own methods. <laughs> That's the best I could recommend. All right. So we are 16 days out. What is your prediction for the price of Bitcoin? So as we stand right now, Bitcoin is sitting 40? around $39,977, according to FTX. I want to say in... Do you want me 13. to go first? Yeah. You went first last time. Yeah, go first. Okay. So we've got 16 days. I am going to put us at, I'm going to go 45.5. Interesting. You're going to go 45.6? <laughs> Actually, I'm going to go 40,000 on the dot. <laughs> I think. Okay. I think we're going to have another little roller coaster run up in the next few days. And then it'll come back down once some other news comes out about inflation still ravaging us or, you know, more news on Russia and Ukraine, whatever news comes up, it seems to happen every couple of weeks and everyone gets so, scared and runs for the hills. Keep in mind, tax day is going to be behind us. So anybody yeah. who was holding on to it that was going to sell it to pay taxes, in theory, good, those, those people thought. are already going to be out. So that's why I'm yeah. thinking it's going to go up a little bit. We'll, so it's we'll e see. My prediction is it's either going to be 40000 or it's going to be 60000 One of the two. <laughs> okay. well, might as well go back to 61000 yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Perfect. Well, I feel like uh, I feel like I was I was educated on some stuff. I, I appreciate the uh, the feedback and the input, Eric. Is uh, it's been glad, fun. Glad to do it. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, if you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, mind the growth. We need to see Robbie sing opera. Need to get to nine figures. Smash that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We got to work the algorithm. We got to work the algorithm. <laughs> All right. Cheers, guys. See ya.